welcome to How to Win the Lottery, episode season two, episode. I gotta have a, I gotta have a consistent episode, season two, episode. Season, season two, episode five, The Virgins by Pamela Ahrens. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Bobby Fisher. Is it Ahrens? Is that how we're pronouncing it? Ahrens? Not sure. How popular is she? This is my first question because the reason I ask, she has a wiki. This book has a wiki. Yeah. But my library does not have any of her books mm-hmm. in print or digital. And she's acclaimed the New York Times. I don't think she's that popular. Okay. I, I reviewed her second book. Which is the, uh, this is the second book. Oh, is it? Then I reviewed her third book, 11 Hours. And yes. her, her publisher sent it to my uh, one of my grad professors. And, and he was just like, does anyone want to review this book? Their publisher sent it to me. So it's like, if she's looking to that level of people to review her, her book, then it's not like... Yeah, her debut novel came out in 07, was a fiction finalist for the William Saroyan, Saroyan International sure. Prize for Writing and the Los Angeles Times Book Prize. And this is her second book, received accolades from many sources, including the New York Times, New York and Vanity Fair, third novel, 11 Hours, and then her middle grade novel, Matasha, came out this year. Yeah. Happy New Year's Eve Eve, Bob. This episode comes out on December 30th. Oh, cool. Uh, what are your resolutions? Read more? Keep reading. Oh, my God. I can't believe that I tossed you that watermelon that you that you just... I bumbled and then hit out of the park. It would be hard to hit a watermelon out of the park. Not if you're Gallagher. Bob, what... <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm, just, I'm just throwing them right down the middle, underhanded at you. Uh, my, my New Year's uh, resolution is to uh, time, time myself running a mile, determine what, the, what an appropriate amount of minutes I can subtract from that to have within a year. So let's say I run a, an 11 minute mile. Yep. Then I would subtract maybe three minutes. Yeah. Over the course of a year, I can get that down by three minutes. I don't know how fast my mile is. I'm imagining it's something like 11 minutes though. I ran the fastest, I ran a 7.30 this year, which is my first, my fastest ever. That's really good. Yeah. I would like to get under a sub seven. Sub seven. That's like, uh, I think I, I ran, I was running seven minute miles in high school. I've never, I ran like an 8.30 in high school. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, the untold documentary about Caitlyn Jenner and just it, the, the whole thing is basically Bruce in the 76 Olympics. Yeah. Like a the decathlon. Yeah. An absolute like superhuman level. World's greatest athlete. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And it ends with the 1500 meter, which I think is basically a mile. And he runs like a 414. And it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a still photo of like the calf muscle or something like that that i've seen when it's just like that thing looks like it's just like carved out of out of marble it's, it's really unreal it's crazy speaking of carved out of marble sung young his body his swimmer's body bob what is the virgins <laughs> we, about we really got off topic here in the beginning i know it's fine the beginnings are for being off topic right yeah um well you, a couple episodes ago you're like Let's do that thing with podcasts do that I hate where it's yeah. like, let's just talk about anything other than why we're here. Right. Let's not recap other episodes on this episode, though. You don't want to do like a How to Win the Lottery after show, but it's on our main feed and it's about other episodes. And it's hosted by uh, Chris Hardwick. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking maybe Aisha Tyler can get into that. Like she, After he got canceled, I feel like she could probably swoop in and take some of his jobs. Uh, yeah, but he has, he didn't really get canceled. He's been on TV ever since then. Nothing. No, he faced no consequences for whatever. I don't even. I don't know the Speaking details. Speaking of, of consequences action. for their actions, Bob, what's the Virgins about? Oh yeah. All right. We keep getting distracted. I'm looking at Joey trying to get him to distract me further so I can keep this bit going, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. I think it's complicated to understand what it's about. The Meryl Streep movie. Like plot wise, uh, the Meryl Streep movie. It's complicated. I think is about Alec Baldwin eating pussy. Is it? I think so. Doesn't he 
spend a lot of time going down on Diane Keaton in that movie? I haven't seen it. Okay. Put it on the list. Wait, no. Did I see it? Is that Keanu? I don't know. I don't I'll know. I'll look it up. I haven't seen this movie. All right. Why is The Virgin's complicated? Uh, Wait, you haven't seen the movie, but you know that Alec... Yeah, man. There. This is a Mr. Skin thing. I'm always looking for Alec Baldwin on <laughs> Mr. Skin. I think, there's, I think it's Mr. Man. Is when, there a Mr. Man version of that? I think so. Yeah. Street, Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin. No, this is not the Keanu movie. When attending their son's college graduation, a couple reignite the spark in their relationship. That definitely sounds like Oral. But the complicated fact is they're divorced and he's remarried. Is Alec Baldwin in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely. Is Diane Keaton in it? Oh, no. Meryl Streep, Lake Bell, Mary Kay Place, Rita Wilson. It's probably it's probably Meryl Streep. It's probably Alec Baldwin going out on Meryl Streep. Probably. Yeah. In anyway, a perfect world. The Virgins is complicated. Why? <laughs> because the events in it are almost negligible overall to what it's about. Okay, explain. The narrator is the third wheel, the third point in a love triangle. Which is giving him a lot of credit. That they that the other two points don't know that he's involved in. <laughs> that he is um, essentially an omniscient narrator. Yep. Uh, but his omniscience is a uh, is is a product of his imagination. He's uh, all all like. He talks about many things that he couldn't possibly know about. Right. Because they might not have happened. Exactly. Yeah. It's like an interesting thing about the book is that as you read, there are all of these events that happen in the text that later on he gets revealed a tiny piece of them through dialogue, through like a small conversation with Aviva or something like that, where she reveals one or two things. Yep. And you can see how that pearl gets stretched out into a million other Pearls. Uh, you don't stretch out pearls. That's a shitty it becomes metaphor. becomes a necklace. Okay, yeah. A pearl necklace, which Alec Baldwin gives Meryl <laughs> Streep in the film It's Complicated. So, it takes place in 1979 at Auburn Academy, which is based on Phillips Exeter Academy, where Aaron's went, where she was a student. You know who else went there? Who? John Irving. Oh, yeah, because he praised this book. He loves this book. There you go. Which feels a bit incestuous for the... Exeter crowd, right? I guess so. I mean, it's, you know, Brady Snellis and, and uh, uh, Donna Tart, Jonathan yeah. Latham. Yeah. This is the first book for the podcast, I think, that I'd read before. Oh, okay. I thought there were more, but there's three this season. Yeah. This is the first one. This should have been the last episode, and it could have backdoored into into the horny module. Horny module is going to be a good module. Yeah. Maybe we do like a sidestep, a pivot into the horny module. Well, this one, I mean, the horniness in this one is, like, essentially gross, right? Well, it starts with rape. Yeah, sure. It's imagined, and then it's all, like, awkward attempts at losing virginity. Yeah. And right. it's, like, we've talked about, was it, what book was it where we talked about the sexuality being, like, very unsexy? It wasn't, um, It's Complicated, starring Alec Baldwin <laughs> and Meryl Streep, was it? The novelization, Yes. I would read the fuck out of that novelization, baby. Probably by design that the sex in this book is unsexy because it's not really sex. Like Sung and Aviva attempting to have sex are unsuccessful. But then when Sung actually has sex with that girl from his high school, it 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 feels smutty. Like it feels sexier. And maybe that's just, I don't know, maybe it's just how I interpreted that scene. But it feels like, oh, this is dirtier this like this feels more erotic than previous 
passages about similar things. Uh, maybe. I think probably the book you were talking about is Colorless Sukuru Tazaki. Where prep. The, it was prep. Oh, it was prep. Okay. Yeah. Prep, but Colorless Sukuru Tazaki is the same thing where it's like the sex in that is just like, ugh. Yeah. This is like gross. But that book, I mean, that book is a, a lot about sex. This is explicit. Like, it's in the title. Like, this is explicitly yeah. about high schoolers seemingly doing whatever they can to lose their virginity. But, like, let's start at the beginning. Let's just, let's. 1979, Auburn Academy. Three main characters. Yeah. Bruce Bennett Jones, mm-hmm. the narrator. Waspy as fuck name. Piece of shit. Piece of shit. Cannot absolute, wait. Absolute, absolute fucking bottom of the barrel. Cannot wait for the Patreon bonus episode to get his name on the big board. We want to talk about casting now? Because I have... Go ahead, yeah. I was thinking maybe Miles Teller. He's probably a little That, that works, yeah. Or like an Ansel Elgort type. Okay. Like somebody who's like handsome. I know, he's not supposed to be handsome. He's supposed to be um like kind of fat. Oh, right. Because he says like the reason he's with Lisa is because neither of them have any other options. Yeah. And, and like as you get like through... Like the te- as you go through the text, you get like more and more hints of that that he's like kind of like not a good looking kid. I think Miles Mal- Teller's an attractive kid, so maybe that's not a f- he, but like he's also like thirty five or something. I know, like but that. it's hard. It's yeah, high yeah. School, casting no, high school people. One hundred percent. Yeah. My actual good casting is for Oviva, who is this? It's hard to gauge. I think her attractiveness because Bruce is smitten by her. I think I, I think she's probably she seems very attractive to Wait, me. Wait, did you have somebody in mind for Bruce? Uh, no. Do you have no. somebody in mind for anybody? Uh, Aviva, at 15 years ago, Olivia Thurlby, out of the park. Oh. Or, or Ari Grainer. E- you know, either one of them. You know what I was thinking? Who? Rachel Sennett. Oh, sure, yeah. She have a baby. Yeah, yeah. Baby. So there's something also that is, that we've talked about before, like in prep, about the other, in a largely white, waspy school. Yeah. The narrator is white and waspy, as you mentioned. But there is the other. There is Aviva, who is Jewish. And, like, that is the defining characteristic for her for a while. She's attractive, but she's got a kind of a big nose, and she's got, like, whatever. Like, it's just, like... Wears too much makeup. Everything is framed within, like, her Jewishness. Thick, thick curly hair. They talk about Sung being Korean. They talk about, like, the couple, the few black kids of the school. And I think it's handled better here than it has been in other... For sure. ...books. But I, I think it gets away with being handled better here because the narrator is explicitly racist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and because, like, in his, in the explicitness of the racism, you can comment directly on that. Like, you're not, with with uh, 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 the narrator in prep, it's like, are we rooting for her? Or are we not rooting for her? It's, it's like this weird situation where it's like, you are sometimes, but you're supposed to realize that she's a brat. Like, Bruce Bennett Jones, it's not, there's no subtlety to it. It's like, it's explicit that he is trash. Yeah. And then the third point of this love triangle is Sung Young, mm-hmm. Korean kid, Proctor, handsome. Swimmer. All-around popular kid. Yeah, uh, drug user, doer, yeah, buyer. But is able to seller. get by because he understands how the game is meant to be played. Yeah, and and there's a, you know, Bruce Bennett refers, like, to his Asian stoicism over and over again. Yeah. That, like, when confronted, he is quiet, he keeps his head down, he doesn't cause trouble and they went to the same middle school bruce and jersey Song. yeah where does this take place is this new england yeah by boston like so many of these books are bought are, are new england slash boston books yeah boston module well because boston is the like crown jewel of prep schools right that's where all of the like elite prep schools are 
um, because that's where all the elite colleges are or a lot of the elite colleges. So it's like there's the, you know, a pathway. And then if there's any other character of major consequence, and I don't know that there is Carlisle, who is Aviva's roommate, kind of got an Aspeth vibe from her. Car- Carlisle's significant in that she is in an abusive relationship, right? Yes, correct. Like that's the that's the significant part. But again, we don't know. We assume that to be true, but you're talking like you mentioned before that the that Bruce is a third person omniscient narrator. Yeah, but we don't know if anything that takes place in Aviva's bedroom actually happens. I don't think any. There's there's no way to know. But what I will say is that I don't think that Bruce is a liar. So the things that Bruce say happen that he could know, I think did happen albeit they are filtered through his skewed perspective. So I don't think he's ever lying to us. The fantasy stuff, as far as he knows, like that's his best guess at what happened. And it's like filtered through what he thinks Sung is and what he thinks Aviva is. But I don't think there's any point in here where he's like, like tells us a lie explicitly. No, I don't think, because I think that would undermine the book. Yeah, I think it would undermine like what he thinks of as himself because there there are things in here where it's like he doesn't come off well, but like he does he tries to like paper over it a little bit, right, to make it seem not as bad. Because the, what he he sets himself up very poorly. Aviva arrives, it's like first day of school or whatever, kids are getting there or she shows up late or whatever. He helps her up to her bedroom with her things. And then seemingly successfully, like, puts a move on her and, like, kisses her, and she seems kind of into it. Yeah. And then he asks her to a dance, right? And they go to a dance. Or they go somewhere. There's an event. I think he asked her to a thing. No, he, the, the, when you mean when they go to the boathouse afterwards? And yeah, I thought they, like, I no, thought that was... he just, like, catches her coming out of the library or something, and she... Or, or they're, they're getting mail, and she's getting mail from her, like, little brother, and he talks to her about her little brother, and then she's like, you know, I could eat ice cream right now. Okay. So they go out to eat ice cream together. Okay, so they, it's less they, less planned, more organic. Yeah, they get to talking, and then he's like, let me show you the boathouse, which is where I do my crew stuff, and then they go to the boathouse. And, then, and he tries to rape her. And he tries to rape her. And she says, no, get the fuck out, and she runs away. Yeah, and from his, from his perspective, he doesn't realize that he is raping her or trying to rape her until she's literally, like, pushing him away and making fists because... He is solipsistic, right? He it like like in that moment, um, that moment is like the 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 diamond tip of his solipsism, and and that he's like completely shutting out the world to anything except for his needs, which I think is probably where you get most sexual assault from. You know that solipsism exists throughout the text too, because he's the center of both this world and 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 the narrative that he's creating. Even though, in the world of the school, and in Sung's world, and in Aviva's world. This dude doesn't matter. He's kind of a loser. Yeah. It only kind of makes sense, I think, at the end that eventually, spoilers for the end, that Bruce and Aviva have sex. It only it makes more sense because through the narrator, he's always been near her. But I think in her head, she like the rape thing, I'm sure she was traumatized by for a while and then maybe forgot about it or what who knows what. I don't know. But like the end result feels believable because we're seeing it through his eyes. Right. Yeah. We can talk. Let's talk about the end when we get to the end. Cause I think that end is pretty, pretty complicated because there's like, you know, I, I said that I don't think he ever lies to us, but like in that narrative, she like asks him to not stop. And she, she's like, no, don't stop. Come right. back. And when, when he pulls out and stuff, but it's like, they're both intoxicated 
I think the the way that the story's set up, it still reads like a rape to me. And also, like he's been to possibly give himself give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been having sex fantasies about her throughout the novel, and there's I guess possibly a chance, even though we know that there's physical like there's evidence that they actually did have sex in some way. There's also a chance that like it just wasn't like that at all because he's like so in his own head that like yeah exactly yeah and and, and like again that's the solipsism so so like I think that you know and at that point Aviva is so traumatized that it's like right what is what is consent in that in that context anyway and it's like you should just leave that girl alone and not like certainly don't try to fuck her yes uh, after her boyfriend died yeah which is a spoiler but also like less than 60 pages in yeah it's not I, yeah it's it, they say after sung's death after graduation so you know he doesn't survive the text right which is i feel like we've seen that again like I'm, I, now that we're five books into the season i'm seeing connections in a way that i don't know that we saw really the like the first time we're just like yeah that was a less uh, sure a bunch of sad people in this season <laughs> less discipline module um in this one though you have an explicit connection of a prep school with a lake that someone, yeah. I mean, and you have Hen, uh, Henry tried to kill himself in the lake, or not tried to kill himself, but like swam with the Dare weighted death. vest until yeah. he was like, um, and you have Song who who uh, kills himself slash is murdered. Also, three out of five, at least, books this season, cafeteria work. Sung works in the cafeteria, <laughs> Elwood worked in the cafeteria, Pella worked in the cafeteria. I mean, what other, what other? Library. Yeah, it's, it's like. Tutoring. There's not that much if you're at a prep school. Also hidden in shameful sex homosexuality. Sure. Where there was in uh, the Nickel Boys where there was like that like game or that like bullying or whatever that yeah. was probably. Mm-hmm. And then here, Court and Voss, you know, Blowing experimenting or whatever, yeah. right? What I think is interesting about the Bruce thing is that he's so obsessed with Aviva and then like out of nowhere, it's like, oh yeah, my girlfriend Lisa. It's like, wait, hold on. Where'd she come from? Because it doesn't matter. I mean, no. like, I don't, I don't know that it matters it matters because the emotions are so high strung, but like in high school, most people cheat on each other. Is that true? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't like terribly sexually active <laughs> in high school, if it must be, if the truth must be told. I think she's only there to like establish that he has had sex before he and Aviva have sex, that he is not a virgin, that he has transcended. Lisa is there? I think so. Like, I think that Lisa functions to say that like he is... I don't know. Like it, it. I feel like it's not even revealed until the very end that he and Lisa had had sex, though. Right? Is that? No, no, no. I think it's in the oh, middle somewhere. Okay. I think it's just like he, like he does it once and it hurts her, but then he's like, by the third time, I was like bending her legs all over the place. It's just like, oh, dude, I must, have, I must have went right by that. It's gross. I don't know. We were doing yeah, it invented sex moves. I don't know. Yeah. Is the Mandalorian a sex move? That someone should do a sex move called the Mandalorian. Mandalor. Mandalorian is going to be in my pernic Google history. Mandalorian sex move. The Mandalorian Urban Dictionary. Baby. All right. A Disney Plus show where Lord Baby Yoda has self-emerged from cared for by the Mandalorian. No, I don't want that. When your sexual partner wraps... Okay, this is seven thumbs up and 11 thumbs down. So this is pretty much decided this is not it. But this is the highest voted sex act for the Mandalorian. Sure. Do you want to guess what it is? No. (laughs) When your sexual partner wraps one leg around your head when you're in a sitting position on a couch of your choosing with their genitals in your face... They punch you in the face, but in all capital letters, not hard until they finish. Then they finish you off like a true bounty hunter. Contact, what? Contact Kimmy for the other seven variations. Uh, what's Kimmy's email address? Let's get let's get it out there. I don't know. My girl. Here's here's using it in a sentence. 
My girlfriend got shit-faced off a box of wine and was really fucking loud and annoying while I was watching The Mandalorian. She tried to show me her new sex move that she calls The Mandalorians. It was awful, and there's eight of them. Oh, so this is just one person had this thing with his girlfriend who... And then uploaded it to Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Can this be a new segment? When you stick it in her ass and say, this is the way. <laughs> that has 21 <laughs> thumbs up and 12 <laughs> thumbs down. Gross. That's better, people, though. People on the internet are terrible. <laughs> Let's get back on track. I'm, I'm sorry that I did this to us. Anyway, that's our new segment, which is called, is there a sex move called blank? And then every episode we're going to have. Okay. I, okay, so I think because it's high school, the answer is very. But how voyeuristic is this class actually? Like, is the class really this obsessed with Aviva and Sung? No, or is there's, just no, because there's, Bruce is, there's no Bruce way. Is. Yeah, Bruce is because Bruce is filtering everyone else's view through his own view. Right. So, you know, we always imagine that everyone is paying attention to the same things that we are. That's why that, that's what insecurity is. Right. It's this idea that like, oh, I have a mole and everyone notices this mole and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is that the things that are important to you are not important to everybody else. For the most part, nobody notices the things that you notice. He notices Aviva and Sung draped all over each other because he's obsessed with Aviva. Right. Nobody else cares. I mean, maybe some other people care, but it's not, you know. It's not the talk of the school as he positions it. I don't think so. Do you think they had sex? Who? Aviva and Sung. No, they I they explicitly don't because um oh no, it's not explicit. Like no. he cuz he his evidence that they that she's a virgin is that he has blood on his penis. His evidence is that when he deflowered Lisa, she cried out in the same way and he had blood on his penis. Yeah, which she could just be having her period. Right. Because it seems crazy. Maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to put you put yourself in the mind of a 17-year-old. It's It seems crazy that they are this overtly sexual with each other and together for a full year and don't have sex. Part of that is Bruce is buying into, I think, racist ideas about Asian men being, like, um, sexually, sexually, inadequate. sexually inadequate, sexually inferior. Like, he's he's incredibly racist like over and over again in the text you have like it happens in in the very beginning he's talking about uh detweiler and um stern and the other guy um bruce says they forget that he's asian that his face stands out from theirs he never forgets and it's like he's not good enough friends with sung to know that sung never forgets that so like what bruce is telling us is that bruce never forgets that sung is asian right that he's always like looking at him and and that like part of the fact that he's like so angry is that sung who is uh was not as cool as bruce when they were in middle school or Or as wealthy seemingly or as wealthy um and was like the victim of racist attacks now has uh the affections of aviva which is something that bruce would like and even in in middle school it seemed like all the girls were into sung too because again he's a handsome in shape dude yeah and and is like uh seems to be like uh smart and charming yeah right and 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 bruce is not those things right bruce is like a fucking weirdo who like has no idea how to talk to anybody like even his friends hate him so there's there's inadequacies and pressures that all three characters face that bruce his parents no longer share a bedroom. His father is overbearing. He wants him to go to Dartmouth, right? I think. Yeah. He sees as after the after the narrative ends, 
because this is all this is all told after the fact, right? But he's talking about how he's had all these different relationships, but he doesn't believe in love. And all these women get scared off or whatever. And just like, yeah, it's just who I am, man. I just don't believe in love. Yeah, classic. The pressures that he applies or the, the the familial pressures and stressors that he applies to Aviva and Sung are also both really racist. It's like the domineering Asian parents. Oh, it's 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 the um, it's his own family life that he's projecting on them with a racist twist. Yeah. Right. He's just like he's just like, what's wrong with my life? Now, what if my life but Jewish? Now, what if my life but Korean? What if my life but with money? Yeah. And and he's like, I mean, he has money, though. He's... he's No, but I mean, like, Aviva is... Aviva's rich. With money. Yeah. yeah. But, like, Sung doesn't, get, you know, he's he doesn't get into Harvard. And, like, that's a great uh, shame to his parents. The way that, like, Bruce not getting into Dartmouth is a great shame to his parents. Like, he's just projecting all of these, like, exact things onto onto them. So now, do you think Aviva's parents splitting up, him not getting, Sung not getting into college, like, did those things happen, or does it not matter? I No, I think it, I think it, they do happen. I think, I think Aviva explicitly tells him that her parents split up when they're sitting on the bench when he's, like, playing Frisbee after she and Sung have been caught. Right. So I think that that's true, but, like, then, you know, what he's doing is he is retroactively applying all of his ideas to to her own personal life that's like like he knows about marshall's shaved head she tells him that in that conversation because he asks her about marshall so she's like he shaved his head and then he's like oh is that why you you cut your hair and then like 40 pages earlier we get like a, a a whole thing about about marshall about her noticing marshall's shaved head when she gets home on the plane so like he's taking like these miniature details and then exploding them into these grand narratives how that, he imagines they must have played out yeah and the way that he imagines they must have played out are oftentimes pretty offensive yeah speaking of marshall i love the way he fits in this narrative uh-huh. remember in art of feeling we we're talking about how scrimmer's sister is just like I want more of her. Like, I think Marshall here, again, with, removing the weird omniscience of the narrator, I think that he weaves into this narrative in a really, really good way, as opposed to Scrimmer's sister just like, I'm going to get drunk? Uh, maybe because he is the only one in the narrative that uh, Bruce Bennett Jones has no agenda against. There's no reason to de- to destroy him or be mean to him, right? Or, or to, like, to, like, paint him in a certain light. He's just someone who, like, brought some sort of sense of joy into Aviva's life, and he, that's all he remembers him as. Yeah. Why does Aviva eat the corners of the pages of the book she reads? <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's like a real My Strange Addiction type thing. Yeah. I think it's fine. I like it. This this does continue a thing that we've I've seen, that we've seen in last season and this season, where in books, people fucking love reading books oh well i i mean there's also like a conversation in this book about um the joyce carol Oates story where are you going where have you been yeah that's like really high level and it's like i know from teaching like college that students aren't like that like the, those college students in like i have students that are as smart as the kids in this book but they're they're not like they don't engage like that in class right. For a lot of reasons, but like the, it's like that's they're engaging to make a point about the text. Where are you going? Where have you been? Is a way for Bruce Bennett Jones to articulate that for girls falling in love is like being killed. Right. He's making that point. Right. It is not like a real college classroom. The t- a teacher would be like, so in what way is being in love like dying? And then you would look at the class for four minutes 
and then you would say how being in love is lifetime <laughs> and then they would some kids would write it down and some kids would look at their phone there's like it's it's not it's there's there are no accurate representations of what a classroom is like in any book ever i will tell you one of the better parts of antlers that horror movie that came out this sure. year yeah is Carrie Russell's a teacher. Mm-hmm. I I can't tell if she's like a lit English teacher or just like a all subjects teacher because the movie doesn't give a shit. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, she's a teacher. These are her kids. But she's having this conversation and she's trying to teach things. She's like, anybody have the answer? And like there's the one girl in the front of the class raises her hand every single time and she's just icing this bitch out. She's just like, nope, not going to call. And she's like calling on kids and just like, mm. and like, I'm like, oh, that feels real. And yeah. then she eventually caves and, like, calls on the girl who, like, gives the right answer, of course. Mm-hmm. And then she asks another question, and then it's the same exact thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, this seems like hell. Yeah. So thank you for your service. <laughs> so then the thing about, like, Aviva buying enough Christmas candy that she has to go back to the bank to get more money. Yeah. Is just Bruce being like, can't keep her hands off Sung. Probably got an eating disorder. Probably got a shopping well, disorder. Well, I mean, the, yeah, the eating disorder stuff is threaded throughout um, because he... Well, the books, I guess, is, for the eating books. Yeah, but like he... Because I guess she's probably losing weight and that's like maybe visible to him. But it's like, you know, women with eating disorders is like a narrative that he's internalized, right? He knows he knows that this is something that uh, is a stereotype and so he's applying it. Like he's he doesn't see... There are no stereotypes that he doesn't embrace throughout the throughout the book. Although there is one stereotype that he doesn't embrace that is not in the book, which is pretty weird that he doesn't embrace it, which is, um, I, I hesitate to even say this because it is like a stereotype that is unpleasant and untrue, et cetera, et cetera, which is, uh, that Jewish girls love giving blowjobs. Like that is a very strange stereotype to swerve away from. I don't think I knew that. No. Okay. Well, maybe it's, that's like you never heard that before. No. Okay. Maybe we can cut that out. Let's let's. But like there, I I think that there is something to the text that is it is bizarre that it is a book about male fantasy and there is not the only blowjob in the entire book is two guys blowing each other. Have we talked about that? Was it with this book because we've talked about and I don't know if it's on the podcast or just a book that you had me read. But I remember having a conversation with you about a book centered around male fantasy. It's probably this because a female author is yeah. Yeah, a problem that I have with this book, maybe the only problem that I have with this book, it's a woman's version of a male fantasy. Yeah. Right? So much of this book is focused on Aviva's pleasure and Aviva's inability to receive pleasure from from Sung. Uh, it's caught up in that racist fantasy, which which makes sense. But, like, the power dynamics of that fantasy are off, right? Like, because I think that, like, someone like Bruce Bennett Jones, his fantasy is going to be a fantasy of domination and submission yeah and i don't see that in this book at all like it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to exist right someone like him who's kind of sadistic and and kind of like has power issues probably from his dad right he's probably inherited those issues from from being sure. powerless in his, in his the judge family. yeah the judge right for him to uh be in his fantasies so focused on aviva's pleasure reluctant to have Aviva be interested, almost interested in pleasure at all of other people, right? It doesn't feel real to me. Whereas the scene that does feel real to me, incredibly real and incredibly real from 
a woman's perspective that almost feels like it's like lived experience. I'm not saying that Pamela Aaron's lived this experience, but it's like, it's something that like, I feel like I've had conversations with people about before is the scene where, uh, Sung is going down on her and he's being too rough and he's like, show me how you do it. And then she does it. And then he learns and then she orgasms like that feels more real than anything sure. that, that, that Bruce Bennett Jones talks about for the entire book. But that feels real from like a feminine perspective, right? right? That doesn't feel real from like a Bruce Bennett Jones perspective where he's like, if he experienced that and is transposing an experience from later in his life onto that moment, it feels kind or insightful, which like I, which I don't expect from him at all. Even though I guess like you have this idea that he is aware because of art stuff. Like that's, I want to talk about that too, because I feel like, there's a weird thing in here where the book is centered around the love triangle. And then there's like 25 pages in the middle where he's just like directing high school plays. And yeah. it's like, oh. And like very like Rushmore high school plays. Like he wants to do the seventh seal. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, dude. And he's like casting. He's like, oh, I got the timing right. So I can, I can like start asking. It's them not like, even legal. You're not allowed to do that. You can, like if you, whatever. I guess I guess I don't have a problem with it happening in Rushmore, so I shouldn't have a problem with it happening here. But it's, it's weird though when it's just like, okay, so now this book is about Bruce. I mean, it's always been about Bruce, but now it's explicitly about Bruce. Well, that's there. That's there to show you that he is an insightful person, that he understands emotion, and that he understands audience. So he is—he's a storyteller and a psychopath. I mean, we know that he's a psychopath, but he's like, look at me. I'm a normal person. I'm smart. I'm cultured. Yeah. I did this thing. Yeah. I'm not just obsessive. Right. But he, I mean, I, I don't think he, he's, he doesn't like deny that he's obsessive. Who is he telling the story to? Um, us. Just us. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Isn't that's, that's certainly not explicit. Because I don't know if that's an, that's a question you could really answer for anybody, but like, because whoever he's telling this to, like, even a sympathetic audience would be like, dude, like you need help. Right. Yeah. Or you needed help. Yeah, he's maybe just narrating it for himself. Okay. Telling his own personal story. Because it seems like he does not end up with a woman. That he's had girlfriends. Yeah. That when they want to get serious, he's like, nah, I don't feel it. How? I mean, how old is he in this in his narration? 20s, 30s, maybe? I don't know. It could be any any yeah. any age, right? Because it takes place in 1979. Uh-huh. Which I'm assuming is when in, she was there. Yeah, 79 into 80. And so if this book comes out in 2013, if we just extrapolate... Maybe he's 50. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy with that. Sure. Another reason he hates Sung, and I think this is understandable to a certain extent, but it's also like, just be better, is that he gets the restriction for a month because like he and his friends are being like loud assholes because Sung and his friends are being loud assholes, but they're better at hiding it. Yeah. And so he get they get busted for a month and then Sung doesn't get in trouble. I was kicked out of the dorms for being a loud asshole. Really? Yeah. And Tom was not. Oh, no. No, sorry. Tom didn't live with us. Sorry, Dylan was not. Okay. Yeah, I got kicked out last day. Permanent? Oh, last day. I Well, well, uh, you know, it was finals week, and so they, like, I, I had, to, like, the last week and a half or something, I I had to leave. I wasn't allowed in. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It sucks. I was very angry at the time. You should be. Yeah. Did Dylan stick up for you? I, he, didn't, he didn't have to. It was not. No, no one, you know. I ate it. The corners of the books that you were reading for studies for final week, yeah, finals week. 
a lot of what happened, like I took a lot more notes on this book about just like plot stuff so I could remember what happened, even though this is the second time I read it. But a lot of what happens in the back half of the book is just rehashing or returning to the themes previously established, right? Mm -hmm. It's like Bruce's older brother moves back home because his life is falling apart. You know, Detweiler's life is falling apart. He can't leave his room. Lviv even Sung are just having a tough time. They like basically overdose on overdose or whatever on hash brownies. Yeah, that's insane, by the way. When he's like, she it's eats six seven. or seven. It's, it's yeah. like you eat one hash brownie and you're like fucking in space for seven hours. Well, yeah, because again, Bruce isn't there. He's just like, oh, yeah, they probably went off and like, you know. Sung. Right. Maybe Bruce knows nothing about hash brownies. But also, like, he doesn't know that they had that incident at all. That's no. not something that is. She might have just been like, oh, yeah, we went away. It was a bad weekend. He's like, oh, I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Let's talk about the end. Because I feel like this is where it gets murky, in a way, where Aviva breaks up with Sung because he humiliated her. Uh-huh. Like, there's, like, that that paragraph where she's like, I just can't, I can't breathe, I can't, whatever, blah, 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 like, all, like, broken up with, like, ellipses. I'm struggling with that part specifically. Like, why do they break up? That's not something that Bruce witnessed firsthand, right? I don't think so. Okay, so so it's it's invented. I mean, in in they, they break up. In that that case, because Sung is impotent and because Aviva, right? When Bruce is talking about Sung's impotence, he attaches it to her inability to love him because uh, she attaches her inability to love him because he has no personality or needs other than loving her, right? But that's Bruce projecting his lack of knowledge of Sung. Yeah. Right? He's saying, like, he's imagining that Sung has no personality outside of needing Aviva because Bruce has no personality right. outside of needing Aviva, right? And so he failed her, and she's like, I can't deal with this anymore. I need a real man. Yeah. I need a Bruce Bennett Jones type. Yeah, why they break up in reality is a complete mystery. Probably because he got caught and his life's about to fall apart, and just, like, they're also seniors or something, maybe? Are they yeah. seniors, or um, she's a junior? She's a junior, I think. Right. Yeah. Because, like, the, it's a big deal at the very end. It's just, like, she didn't come back the final year. But then he goes down to the water. Mm-hmm. Sung and Bruce goes down there fine and they smoke and drink and talk for maybe the first time all novel they talk uh yeah no, no 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 the first they, series no, conversation they, 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 they run into each other in their hometown oh right very briefly though, yeah right? while, they're, while they're like getting bagels or something yeah he's like oh yeah Aviva's with me he's like what yeah. she's in town <laughs> it's just like a little Tex Avery wolf thing going on Bruce gives Sung his dad's ring yeah just to try it on and then Sung drowns with it on. Yeah. Vibes a little bit here. I was thinking that. Because yeah. I, I was... <laughs> when it happens, well, I'm like... Got, I guess we'll get there later. Sorry, maybe maybe we don't include that, because that is a spoiler. That's a big spoiler. Okay, so cut that out, because there's going to be... Because, yeah, they're... Right. When this is happening, I'm like, oh, this is a big deal. Yeah, right. But it's... I was remembering a different book. Uh-huh. Because this is just like, we don't even know what the judge thinks about it. It ends up not being a big deal, because, because the ring is not inscribed, right? Yeah. Uh, Bruce is like untouchable, right? There's a part in the very beginning of the book where he's like, he's like, yeah, fuck, I crashed my car. I did, did this, I did that. But things like that, they don't matter for people like me. Insurance bails it out. Yeah. I'll be fine. Yep. I will be fine. And he's like, you know, and this I imagine probably happened because like this does not make him look good. It make, I guess it makes him look like a man or whatever. You know, I say, I wasn't going to tell you this, but since you're leaving now, you broke up with her. I thought you ought to know. I fucked her young. It was a while ago, back in the winter. Remember the Kent swim tournament? Your team stayed overnight? Then. 
And he's like, actually, you know what? I didn't fuck her once. I fucked her a bunch of times. Yeah, he starts lying. He's like, yeah, I fucked her in California on the beach. <laughs> like, doesn't make any sense at all. The sun was beautiful, and we and we went to Europe together, and we were we were eating baguettes in Paris. And and Sung is on acid, so he's just like, what the what? <laughs> My mind is 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 not what? I have to go swimming right now. He takes off all of his clothes, goes in the water, and never gets out. Yeah. And Bruce is like. Shit, all right, bye. Yeah. Uh, realizing later that that song still has his college ring, which seems like if this were a mystery novel, like, this novel would end with, like, like he would be like, I'm almost finished telling my story, but there's a knock at my door. And it would be, like, the police with, like, we finally got you, Bennett Jones. Or it's like, oh, you know, visitation hours are over at this that's prison. Right. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's better. And then he finds out that he's been talking to no one this entire time because yeah. he has no friends. Or he's yeah, he's talking to to a cockroach that he's kept in a matchbox. I like that ending. That's how it, <laughs> that's how it should have ended. So Sung dies, and the school is like, ah, oh, that sucks. Like maybe we should have a moment of silence at the graduation. They're like, nah, not really. Probably not. Yeah, fuck it. And Sung's dad, like, Sung still graduates even though he got kicked out of school. This is again like the Affenlight thing in Art of Fielding. Well, this is, like, I mean, this is what would really happen. They, they would walk back kicking him out so that he could graduate because otherwise it's like. Well, it's the Affenlight thing. Yeah, explain. In Art of Fielding, Affenlight's about to get fired or yeah, resigned yeah, exactly, for yeah. the scandal. It's like, oh, he died. Right. That's a bummer. Yeah. Good thing there was nothing else going on. Yeah, it's interesting when you, when you uh, put these books next to each other because. You see, like, I, I think they're they're unique books. Like, this book is not anything like Art of Fielding. It's not anything like um, Prep. And it's not anything like the other book that we mentioned that we spoiled accidentally. Coming but, later this but, season. But when you, when you read them one by one next to each other, you start to see, like... An emergent culture of prep schools. Yes, and the 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 sort of things that are issues at prep schools, mm-hmm. and the the ways in which uh, kids deal with problems, right? So like all, uh, yeah, it's interesting when you when you look at this stuff back to back to back. Well, you know, there's a podcast on the network, High School Slumber Party, which we talked about on here before that we've both been guests on, yeah. or yeah, by this time you'll mm-hmm. have been a guest on it. He's watching to a certain extent the same movie over and over and over again because like there's only so many variations on the high school theme you can do. Yeah. He's become, uh, Brian has become like a scholar on like the variations of these and like the way that they've evolved over the years and like what modern high school movies do as opposed to old high school movies. But it is weird, sort of strange that like these these novels that span decades in terms of publication, in terms of when they're talking about, in terms of geographic location, that they're all similar but different enough they'd be like, oh, it's a totally different story. And it is, but it all centers around privilege and race and violence and sexuality. Yeah, I think because it's like there's something about a closed community, right? You yeah. get you, if if you if you like put a fence around a group of people and make them all interact, and they're all, especially teenagers, because teenagers have like a bunch of chemical shit going on with yeah. them that that are like will obviously push them in the direction of uh, like very specific dramatic flashpoints. Yep. So you get that, and then and then like for books, you also have to elevate that drama, and the elevation of drama often leads to things like sexual assault and other violence, like murder. Not that those things don't happen; they certainly do everywhere. But like the frequency with which they come up as dramatic plot points in books that we read has to do with them being like almost stereotypes of the genre. It's almost like a reality show. Yeah, it is. 
I was thinking about, could you do a reality show of like high school students? Like that would be yeah, they illegal, do, maybe? Laguna Beach. Oh, yeah. Christian I mean, Kino. Laguna yeah. Beach was fake, right? I think. I don't know. I have no I idea. I mean, like, I, think it, I think it pretty clearly was at least like partially fake. Okay. But that was that was a reality show about high school students. Um, and it was it was like... Did that become The Hills or is that just around the same time as The Hills? Were they intertwined? I really don't know. I remember like a thing about Laguna Beach being like... A weird thing about it was that they were like 16, 17 year olds and people were just like fuck these people <laughs> like like really mean and it's just like they were kids you know but laguna beach came in in the wake of uh is the is the direct result of the oc an american reality television series that originally aired on mtv from 04 to 06 aired for three seasons primarily focused on the personal lives of several students attending laguna beach high school this premise was originally with liz gately blah 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 led by lauren conrad who i know low bosworth who i've heard of all these different people and juniors kristen cavallari who I know very well, thanks to Defamer. Uh, thanks to Jay Cutler. Well, yeah. Right? But there's 500 Days of Kristen, which is where I know her from. I just want to uh, uh, once again say that, like, the tagline to Laguna Beach was the real OC. Like, Laguna Beach is a direct result of people being interested in rich kids from, from Southern California because of the television show The OC. A show that could not be made today, if you ask Adam Brody. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. So then there's the end of the year party. And Wait, Bro- I love Adam Brody. I take that back. I didn't mean to call him a fucking idiot. I really do. I have great amount of affection for Adam Brody. He just said a dumb thing. Yeah. A simplified thing. Yeah. Whatever. So Bruce sees Aviva with Court, who he's like, oh, that dude's gay, so I'm blowing another dude. It's like, well, you know, that doesn't mean he's gay. He uses a homophobic slur. Sure. Against him. He's a prejudiced guy. Sure. Also, it's 1979, 1980. Yep. And then there's like, oh, there's a dude shooting a rifle. But it is like, you know, the introduction of the rifle is like a phallic symbol. And it's also uh, Chekhov's gun, right? Which is the idea that if you introduce a gun, it has to go off. Otherwise, the tension remains. But you could also say that the the tension introduced by the gun is Bruce Bennett Jones' uh, measly little cock. And uh, the the tension relieved by the gun, the the trauma enacted by the gun, is the um, sexual assault of Aviva. Yeah. Because then Aviva slaps Bruce, and then he's like, I wanted to leave, but then I just got down on my knees and lifted her shirt up and just cried on her. Yeah, marriage story style. Still haven't seen that. Spoiler alert. I'm going to watch it this month, I think. (laughs) And then they go to a field, have sex. She's like, no, 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 I want more. He's like, I can't. And he pulls off and like pulls out and jerks off and then runs away. Yeah. And then everybody leaves, and Aviva never comes back. And he gets her ring, and then he gives it back to her yep. on the bus. Yep. And we're and and she never sees her again. So what do we make of all this, Joey? Fuck Bruce Bennett Jones. Yeah, he's the worst. I think I think the most interesting thing, and I think it's something that we've said both explicitly and implicitly, the most interesting thing about this is how much there is to believe about what you're reading. Yeah, it's a it's a book that's directly. Uh, an interpretation of, of of male fantasy that is, like, in some ways a satire of male fantasy. Because it's about how, like, pathetic men are. Yeah. Um, it's about the, the ways in which men will create their own narrative to allow themselves their their indulgences and their, and their, their fantasies. Yeah. Do you think it would have been, and this is, again, a difficult question, better, worse, different, or impossible to answer if it was a male author? Other than the sexual, like the things you've oh, done before. Um, do I think it would be better? 
I mean, Philip Roth has a lot of books that are like a lot of books that are like yes. this. And uh, I think Philip Roth is a much better writer than Pamela Ahrens is. But that's not say, that's not anything against Pamela Ahrens. I mean, Philip Roth is like God tier. He's angel tier. I mean, people might be mad at me for saying that because a lot of people really fucking hate Philip Roth. You and know. I think that he's like a misogynist. Uh, but like my point about Philip, because Philip Roth is doing a lot of the work that this book is doing, like he's writing about male fantasy and the characters in Philip Roth's books are never happy. They're usually self-sabotaging. Their male fantasies end up making their characters self-destruct. Their misogyny ends up ruining their lives. They end up destroying themselves and other people. They're never really heroes. So the the argument about his misogyny is is I think a little short-sighted as far as as far as reading the the novels are concerned. Whether or not he's a misogynist as a person, I have no idea. But I think his books are a critique of misogyny. Now, again, like if this book were written by a man, would uh, I encourage people to read it? Um, have you taught this book? I have. Yeah. Do did your kids like it? They did. Yeah. Okay. So do you wait? This... Did they? No. I, I think they. I think they mostly didn't respond to it. Okay. And and also, it was a weird semester where I was getting busted for. Uh, teaching books that had explicit sex in them and that had happened earlier in the semester because I had taught rules of attraction and and a student had complained directly to the dean about me and so um fucking went, but by the time that this book came around I was like very timid about teaching um sex stuff in class so I certainly wasn't like and what stereotypes do we have about, about this race I was probably timid about it but but like I think they engaged to to, okay. to a certain. So, level. but this is a book that you incur. You this, you put this on a list of the books for me to read last year. This is a book that you openly oh, recommend yeah. to people. So, yeah, I do. I, I like this book a lot. So, if you you were making a point that I cut you off, but if if this was written by a man, would you re- re- recommend it as strongly, or is it? Or do you think oh, there's something unique no, about it? No, I think the- I think there's a, like an entire genre of books about misogyny where it's like women don't need to read those books. Those the, those books are written for men to read because it's like. They might be insightful and they might be brilliant. And if a woman read it, it might get like, you know, like Philip Roth is a great prose stylist and he's really funny and he's all of these things. But like when women read those books, they're just like, yeah, no kidding, dipshit. I'm aware of all of that stuff. Right. right? So like I think Pamela Aaron's I, I think it being written by a woman probably adds credibility and insight to which it's going to be more like uh Instead of like a guy being like, here's how men are bad, it's going to be like uh, more like, haven't we all experienced this? Sure. Like, like, let's explore this experience that we've shared from another perspective. But it's like they don't share that experience with Philip Roth. So it's like Philip Roth's looking at it from a a man's point of view. But like, I don't think women need men's point of view about misogyny necessarily. Right. So the yeah I, I I would be I'm I don't recommend Philip Roth books to people that often for that for that reason even though I think that he's great. What was the book you had me read by him? Uh, Ghostwriter. I would recommend that book to to anyone because that's not a book about misogyny. Is what I said how I described it a spoiler? It's kind of a spoiler, right? Yeah, it's I'm a huge spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it ruins the entire plot of the book. It's getting kind of late. I think we're gonna skip calling Matt because it's almost ten o'clock on a Sunday night. All right. I said to him, "Are you around?" And he said, "Maybe." Okay. So, uh, whatever. But uh, we do have an email address, lottery at cageclub.me. If you want to write in about this book or any book or just whatever, lottery at cageclub.me. Your friend Egg wrote in and she braced you 
long book. Yeah, she says it's a long email. Long email. Sorry, yeah, not long book. Because especially the first, she starts with, I like this book. At first, I wasn't sure what to make of it. I'm like, oh, it's a short email. And then she figured out what to make of it, I guess. <laughs> if it wasn't written by a woman and for this podcast, I might not have made it through the first chapter, mainly because of lines like, her suitcases are heavy. Heavy as I've since learned only a woman's luggage can be. But once I realized that... That shit is true, though. No, is. I'm just... <laughs> That Women was... be shopping. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I um, go ahead. Sorry, don't I, to, that was clearly a joke. No, but I know, but I have something to say about what Meg said there. But I want to see if she makes more more points. Well, once I realized the narrator, I guess his name is Bruce? Question mark. Yes, uh, was the villain who peaked in middle school. I enjoyed himself. I enjoyed myself a lot more. I also think that one thing we have not talked about is that Pamela Aaron's writes with very crude language. Like she uses the hard C a lot in yeah. multiple ways. Right. And it feels... Right on. Go for it. Yeah. The novel's interesting in that the author was able to frame everything as specifically being through the lens of the male, white male in particular, gaze. By making the narrator a gross Dennis Reynolds type, there's a part where he's talking about men having to convince women that they have feelings, and it reminded me of the part of In, in Always Sunny where Dennis is like, you remember feelings, right? Um, I'll stop you right there because um, in, in private conversation, Meg said that thing about Dennis Reynolds to me. And I thought she was talking about Burt Reynolds. And I was like, what the fuck are you even talking about? I didn't, I didn't say that. But in my head, I thought that. And then I told her that, that I was thinking of Burt Reynolds. The we, dentist system. And we had a good laugh. It does feel like Bruce would try to employ the dentist system. Do you know the dentist system? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or the, um, the, uh, the other thing. Um, well, there's the Mac moving after completion. No, no, no. There's the 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 thing on the boat. The oh, implication. The implication. Like yeah. he's absolutely like yeah. The, Boathouse. He is he is fucking Dennis Reynolds. Yeah. All right. So cast Glenn Howerton. Although although Glenn Howerton is probably a lot ha- more handsome than this guy. Yeah. The author is able to subtly but explicitly call attention to the white male gaze, where in the past it would have been an unconscious part of the male author's biases. There's a quote that really captures the predatory white maleness at the center of the novel. It takes place right after the attempted rape, though, of course, the scene is never referred to as such by Bruce. Quote, at that time, I'm used to thinking I have more than one chance at things, many chances, in fact. I think this is what you're saying before. I do poorly in prep biology, but my transcript is revised after I attend summer school. I crack up my father's car, but the insurance company pays out. My driver's license is reestated. Over and over again, my parents convinced themselves that my bad study habits, slovenliness, deep pessimism, and lack of ambition will undergo a change. And I believe, too, that when the moment is right, when I want it enough, I will in fact succeed as a student, son, lover, and friend. This time, for the first time, though not the last, I know I've truly blown, I've truly blown something. I don't know how I know it's an unfamiliar feeling, end Wait, quote. Can I, can I uh, jump in again? Um, this is indicting of, of me, but, like, I, like, relate to that a lot. Like, everything everything that he just said, I'm just like, that, like, so, so much of my life, I was like, I've been like, I will, I swear to God, I'll fucking get it together. And then I just never do. But I always think that it's going, I'm going to be able to in, in like, some, some sense. Hey, man, hit podcast. This is the, this is the... Road to 30,000. Inch, inching our way to 30,000. Then, of course, at the very end of the novel, Bruce indeed gets another chance and succeeds at raping Aviva. The idea of pleasure, female pleasure in particular, is skewed by this as well. Sure, he's got some of the details right, but there are gross little things he fixates on, such as how he imagines Aviva watching Carlisle masturbate and Aviva getting horny at the thought of Sung stealing from that woman he saved at the beach. Stealing from? I remember him... I remember there's a writing that he gets... He gets turned on by giving a woman mouth to mouth. When he's like 14, he's just like, oh, fuck, I like women. <laughs> you 
Yeah, I don't. I don't remember I, her, yeah, him I'm, stealing. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that too. Then there's also the way he fixates on Aviva fixating on losing her virginity to gain some sort of power. Sex being framed with power in that way seems like a very masculine, rapey thought. I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, losing my virginity was framed as a way of fitting in, not a way as quote gaining power. If you try and say that quote fitting in is a way of getting power. And I should clarify here that I'm talking about the explicit vocabulary linking sex to power. I yeah, I, I agree with I agree with that. I think, right? I think that I think there's also now. And you, I asked you several months ago. I was like, I was driving around. I saw a kid that's like proud to be a virgin or whatever. And you're oh like, yeah, oh, this th- is like a thing. Virginity now. rocks. Yeah. Those are virginity rock shirts. I don't know what that's about because I'm not a high schooler or whatever. But like, yeah, that's definitely a thing that exists. Because I think that like in this sense. There's a power in keeping your virginity. Maybe it's not a cool power, but like I do think what Meg's saying about like fitting in is like, yeah, like, you know, I had sex. You had totally, man. I have lots of sex. But I think that there is something like I think there's more power in a way in being a virgin than not being a virgin. I think that it, it that is com- probably completely different for different people and different cultures and Maybe. like I don't there's know. I, I think there's certainly like um i also some, don't know what the fuck i'm talking I, about. I think there's some frame of power uh that, that women may maintain through maintaining virginity but that is like uh, uh th- like that power is a mask for uh oppression because it's it's like it's not real power at all because it's it's not actual power it's just like there's like a base level that you're at and then losing virginity would put you at a lower level because then you're branded socially as a certain thing. So it's not like maintaining your virginity like lifts you up. It's that losing your virginity in certain contexts can, can, can make you into the the quote unquote whore. But I think yeah, I, I I you'd have to read it back again. But I think I think everything that she says it sounds sounds well. Right we all right. agree that yeah, like it's not a way of gaining power. Yeah, right. I just said although, although although it's often framed as such, or or can be framed as such. Certainly for men. It can it's it's framed as as a way to gain power. Oh yeah, and popularity. Oh, he's had sex with ten girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's also the unspoken way in which men are a danger to women. Obviously, I mean this as in addition to both the attempted and successful rape scenes in the book, but the relationship, quote unquote, relationship between Dorada and Marvin is implicitly dangerous, even if Bruce doesn't imagine or present it that way. If a man said to a woman, "I'm going to hurt you," that's not something she would quote screech with laughter about with her friends. Also, I'm pretty sure that he forces her to go down on him or something, but all the relationships with the side characters mush together in my mind. Yeah, I feel this. I feel the same way because when she's saying Dorada and Marvin, I'm thinking Carlisle. I'm not sure like who exactly she's talking about. I think Marvin might be the one black kid that they talk about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. And then there was Carlisle with quote something about her face looks wrong as if she fell down and bruised herself. I'm not sure if it's possible to bruise your face from falling. Definitely. Of course it is. Jerry went to the hospital for bruising his face falling. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, egg. What is a common excuse if you get hit in the face by an abusive partner? If I saw a woman with a yeah, bruised face and I know she was dating an asshole, my first thought would not be that she fell down. I think that's everyone's assumption, regardless of whether you know that they're dating an asshole or not. It, like a woman with a bruised face is like a cultural signifier for domestic abuse. Well, now even to the point where like when earlier this year when I fell while running and hit my head and got stitches in my eyebrow, like part of the protocol, even for a dude, is just like. Who do you live with? Where were you? Like they—they—they they, they want to know because, like, yeah, yeah. See, Joey's Joey had to go to the hospital because he fell on his face when he was running because he, um, because his, uh, uh, he has no feeling in his feet. Why did he fall again? It was dark. Okay, 
It's not because you have no feeling in your feet. Why? What? Is that a thing? Did you make that up? I thought I've heard that about you. Go ahead. <laughs> in addition to being a sexual predator, Bruce is also clearly racist. Yeah. By some of the thoughts Explicitly. he puts into the heads of the characters he's fantasizing about. Some of the, quote, thoughts he puts into Viva's head, like her being worried her father will stop paying for her tuition, feel like they just stem from Bruce being anti-Semitic. Yeah, we talked about this. Then he also uses livestock language. Continue. About, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Around both her and Sung, around the time she cuts her hair, saying things like her hair was, quote, shorn. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And Sung having self-containment, quote, bred into him. Uh-huh. That they're animals. So yeah, just, yeah. They're lesser than. Yeah. yeah. Well, the self-containment being bred into him is, is, like, that's all, like, aside from being livestock, like, that's also just stereo- stereotypical thing that people think of Asian men, right? That, they, that they're... um there's like a, a super like family first stoicism yeah. about uh, Korean men, I guess that that or that's the stereotype anyway. I was just like, what is livestock language? I'm like, I did not learn this, but just it's actually language about livestock. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that makes that makes sense. I wouldn't I wouldn't have even thought of it that way, but uh, like frame like that for sure. Going through my quotes that I highlighted the first time, I marked quote all this time. Aviva has surely believed that Sung died because of her. What has that done to her? Reading that back after finishing the novel is chilling because there's not a hint of guilt there. He also at one point in the book says, like, I'm telling the story because I owe it to them. He uses the word, I owe it to them. I'm like... Because he feels like he murdered Song. Yeah. Which if he tells it the way that he... If, if the way that he's telling it is true, he kind of did. By saying, I fucked your girlfriend. Yeah, by, you know, yeah. I mean, I know it's not murder, but like, it, it's murder. Like, he killed him. Well, it's murder at least in the sense that he did not try to help him. Yeah, for right? sure. The reader assumes that it wasn't Aviva's fault and it was Sung ODing or something, but it's only at the end we eventually find out it was explicitly Bruce's fault. Maybe not, I don't know if explicitly, but it, he's got a hand in it for sure. I'm, I'm happy to say explicitly. It's never stated, but I kind of feel like Bruce lost his virginity to Aviva when he raped her. I don't believe he really had sex with Lisa. Based on this incel interaction with Aviva, where Sung's friend is telling him to back off, we know that the version of Bruce he presents to the reader and the real Bruce are two different people. Uh, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I don't think that, like I said earlier, I don't think Bruce ever lies to us. I think he is. I think he has a fucked up, like not real version of himself in that, that he's presenting. But I think that he thinks that that version is real. So I don't think he would tell us that he lost his virginity to Kelly. Lisa. Kelly? Lisa. I think it happened, but I also, in Meg's way, because I said before, like, out of nowhere, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm dating this girl, Lisa. It's like, you you made, like, you could be like, oh, you made her up. Oh, that's a real girlfriend from Canada type thing, you think? Yeah, I, possibly. Just like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we totally have sex when we're at home. Like, because she never comes to the school. Right. Right? She's, she doesn't go to school with them. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Again, like, she's irrelevant to the text because she's not Aviva. Yeah, she's a she's a she's a girl who's not a diva. Yeah, but I don't think I mean, I again, I don't I don't think it it almost doesn't matter if he's losing his virginity to Aviva or if he lost his virginity to Lisa, because the there again, the virginity stuff is like like that's a totem that exists in, inside a head. It's not it's not something that really matters in, in, in reality. Yeah, I'm looking back through my well, thank you, Egg, for writing in. If that's where it ends. Yeah. She didn't sign off or anything. No. Wow. <laughs> Rude. Totally rude. Totally rude. Uh, if you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me, love hearing from Egg. Let's hear from other people. 80% of the book, I'm inventing Sung too, of course. It's the least I can do for him. That's right. That's an entire chapter. Yeah. That's, a, that's an entire chapter. So that's how you know that that whole thing 
is big. Oh, I remember what I wanted to say about the beginning and the suitcase thing, which is that um, like of all of the offensive things that that Bruce conjures, like the, all of the sexist and racist things, the idea that like him being like, man, women really do pack their suitcases like they only women with the heavy suitcases, like the idea of someone like shutting the book and being like throwing it across <laughs> the room like that really makes me laugh. There's something in Aviva that calls out, drown. Everything that is solid about me is meant to sink inside her and dissolve. My mouth wants to be sealed and my eyes sewn shut. There's so much shit about Aviva's mouth where it's just like it's a fucking tunnel. It's all of these things like he he's really like uh, focused on on her mouth. Right. Which, again, is is another reason why, like the, the absence, the yeah. absence of oral sex is very like. Uh, or the, rather the absence of Aviva performing oral sex in, in um, Bruce's fantasy is like super weird to me. Aviva lays herself out to Sung's touch. His fingers move slowly, sounding her. Mm. His fingers are sentient. They study and anticipate. Her veins flood. She was made for this. The virgin and the whore, right? Like she just like, she was made to have sex. Yeah. I also, I think fingers being sentient is bad writing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Pamela. I've, we talked about this before on here that I am frustrated that Goodreads does not offer half star increments. I had I gave this book five stars when I read this two years ago or yeah. last mm-hmm. year or whatever. I bumped down to four because I'm like, since there's no four and a half, I think I'll give this four and a half. But I'm really, I'm gonna reserve five for like the things that I really 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 love. Yeah, and I like this a little bit less the second time, but I still really really like this book a lot. Mm-hmm. I also bumped down. Art of Fielding from five to four after listening back and editing our episode. I'm like, yeah, I don't actually give this book five stars. Okay. <laughs> little little generous in case people are wondering. Yeah. High watermark for me still this season through five books is The Bell Jar. Oh, uh, my favorite book so far is probably Nickel Boys. That and Bell Jar I think are the best books, but like, I don't know. I wouldn't reread that. Like, I'm not like. Okay. Not that The Bell Jar is like a delight to get through, but like. Who would you have? Uh, let's, let's talk about casting again. Let's go back to casting. Who, who. Who directs this movie? I didn't think about that, but like I think like Olivia Wilde possibly. I think you need somebody who's like comfortable around high school and young people, and I think her like book smart. I just think she's I think she's got something interesting going on, even though I don't. We've only seen one movie from her, right? Yeah. I I kind of this is like such an easy dumb answer, but I kind of think Sofia Coppola is the answer. Sure. Frisbee, frankly, makes me whorish. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny too when he's like talking about like. How awesome he is at playing Frisbee. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're such a dork. I also, like, it's funny when he's playing Frisbee and he's just like, oh, Aviva's sitting over there alone. I'm going to go over there. And then he, like, sees his friend with the Frisbee and he's just like, don't throw it to me, man. Like, I'm with her. And then he goes away and he's just like, yeah, he gets it. And, like, I can see, like, another kid's head, like, this fucking guy, we were playing, <laughs> we were just playing Frisbee and now he's sitting down. Like, and he ditches him later, too, with, with the, um, like, he goes yeah. to the to the woods with the bottle. Yeah. Oh, this is when Sung... Last quote I want to read out. The the one Sung has uh, supposedly has sex with the other girl from high school that he has the different vibrations or whatever. He fucked her for the first time and for his honor. The second time for her pleasure. The third time would be the crime. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like Bruce is like stuff like that is great because it's like people don't think like that. That's that's not remotely the way that like teenage psychology works. If he if he was incapable of having sex with Aviva for for any number of reasons, I could see him cheating on her for sure and and doing it to reestablish his own personal manhood. But that like rule of three, like 
first time for honor, second time for her pleasure, third time would be a crime. Like that's an, that's entirely like some dipshitty theater dork like revising uh, the past to like have some like dramatic meaning. The seventh time would be for the seventh seal. Yeah. Yeah, when like in reality it's just like sung like he he's ascribing all of these intense I mean, high school emotions are super intense sure. and, and high school relationships and stuff around losing virginity, like that is all super intense. But it's also like these kids are high school students. They're dipshits. They make bad decisions. They are not like like they, they might be in love, but they're also still like horny and traitorous and uh, probably in some sense assume that they'll never see each other again. And like one thing that interests me over and over again in this book is he almost never, Bruce almost never mentions what Sung and Aviva talk about. Like, their relationship to Bruce is only imagined physically because that's what he observes of them. Yeah. So, like, he has no idea. Like, they might have broken up because, like, they had disagreements about shit. Like, they, they might have broken up because... Um, well, because she's a rich girl and he's a poor boy. Yeah, and or because he... Uh, is ashamed of her with his family yep. because because of uh, whatever reasons or uh, or because like these stereotypes that like he ascribes them like are also kind of true that just like you know I, I wish it wasn't the case but like I need to make my parents proud right like it just yeah there's a million reasons that the, all of these things could have happened but like that stuff is it like how he could have humiliated her etc but like he focuses on on the physical because that's what he can see of them and because that's what he's obsessive over right. with, with Aviva he's not obsessive over Aviva's mind he's not like worrying what she thinks about things really he's worried about her mouth yeah and I think that all the conversations he has with her are explicitly to like eventually bed her right he's just like Oh, I remember. It's like we were talking about in the Nickel Boys, where Elwood and like there's like the really mean thing that yeah, Turner, Turner could Turner say. Banks it, yeah. yeah, it's just like I'm gonna bank. I'm gonna remember her brother's name is Marshall because like it's gonna get me brownie points later. Yeah. I'm gonna need this. Yeah, it's just like psychopath. Yeah, it's weird too. Her brother grows up to become Eminem. That's what's not mentioned in, in the book is that like he's he's the guy that like he's the Detroit rap guy. It's crazy. Yeah. Bob, keep reading. Oh. Uh, fuck, I didn't think of, uh, um, uh, oh, the crime today is, uh... There are literally dozens of crimes in the text. Unlawful, uh, disposal of the body. Just let it slip. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, there's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms, but he keeps on forgetting.